It was the transatlantic steamer Arch Tor that first noticed something was wrong. On its voyage to the port of Leith from Philadelphia, the Arch Tor passed the lighthouse on the Flannan Islands on the night of the 15th of December 1900, and the crew saw that its lights were off. After docking in Leith three days later, the news was passed on to the Northern Lighthouse Board that something was amiss on Flannan. The question of what happened to the lighthouse keepers would become one of Scotland's most intriguing mysteries. Hi everyone and welcome back to the Dark History Podcast. Hope everybody is well. I'm Rob, your host as always. For episode 18, I'm going to talk about the Flannan Island mystery, as you would have guessed. A strange tale of three lighthouse keepers who disappeared in one of the world's most hostile and inhospitable places. So without further ado, please sit back and relax for more dark history. The Flannan Isles Lighthouse might be more precisely called the Elian Moore Lighthouse. It was one of the first structures ever built on the island of Elian Moore. Indeed, prior to its construction, the last signs of human inhabitants date back to the ancient times. It is perhaps due to the extreme isolation of Alien Moor, not to mention its size. Located 80 miles away from the Scottish mainland in the Outer Hebrides, Alien Moor is one of seven tiny rocky specks of land together known as the Flannan Islands. Named after St Flann, this collection of islands in the Scottish archipelago is sometimes called the Seven Hunters. It took about four years to build the Flannan Isles Lighthouse. It was first lit on the 7th of December 1899. Just over a year later, it would become the scene of one of Scotland's most baffling mysteries. On the night of the 15th of December 1900, a transatlantic steamer called the Archtar was heading for the port of Leith when it passed the Elian Moor Lighthouse. The crew noted that no light was emitting from there and reported as much to the Northern Lighthouse Board on the docking three days later. On the 26th of December 1900, the board dispatched a lighthouse relief tender ship, the Hesperus, to investigate. When Hesperus arrived at Ilium Moor on the routine relief visit on Boxing Day, the crew found that the lighthouse was in darkness with no flags flying. The captain of the Hesperus, Jim Harvey, made several attempts to elicit a response from the Flannan Island lighthouse keepers including sounding the ship's horn multiple times and firing a rocket. When there was still no reply from the three lighthouse keepers, James Ducat, Thomas Marshall and William MacArthur, Captain Harvey sent a relief keeper, Joseph Moore, in a boat to the island. When Moore reached the island, he had to climb 160 steep steps to the lighthouse. Three giant blackbirds perched on a cliff above him, cast a beady eye on his progress. When Moore reached the lighthouse compound and entered the living quarters, he was greeted with an eerie scene. Moore noticed that the clock on the wall had stopped, the table was set for a meal that had never been eaten, and the chairs had been toppled over. A canary in a cage was the only sign of life. The Flannan Island lighthouse itself was in good shape, with the lamp clean, the blinds on the windows, and the fountain full. Pots and pans were scrubbed and beds were just as they would normally be left in the morning. For the gates and the doors, only one in the kitchen was open. 
Returning to the eastern landing, Moore reported his findings to the captain of the Hesperus. Harvey sent two sailors ashore and they and Moore began to look for signs of life. After a thorough search of the lighthouse complex turned up nothing but a set of oilskins, which suggested one of the keepers had ventured out in just his shirt sleeves. The men turned their attention to the landing platform on the west side of the island. Here, there was plenty of evidence that the island had been recently hit by a massive storm. A supply box had been smashed open and its contents strewn across the ground despite being over a hundred feet above sea level. Iron railings on the side of the path had been bent and twisted out of shape. Parts of a railway track had been torn from its concrete moorings and a huge rock weighing over a ton had been displaced. Turf had also been ripped up from the tops of the cliffs 200 feet above sea level. There was no sign of the three keepers. Alarmed, Moore and the three sailors returned to the Hesperus to document their findings. Poor fellows, they must have been blown over the cliffs or drowned trying to secure a crane or something like that, was Harvey's conclusion in a telegram to the Northern Lighthouse Board after the Hesperus returned to port. One of the most significant clues in the Flannan Islands mystery is its logbook. Whilst the last written entry was from the 13th of December, there was notes up to the 15th of December detailing the time the light was extinguished as well as various mechanical readings. This, together with the prepared meal found in the kitchen, led to the conclusion that the men had been at the lighthouse up until the afternoon of the 15th of December. Several anomalies were found at the scene. The clock had stopped. What's more, whenever they left the building, two of the Elian Moore lighthouse keepers, Ducat and Marshall, were dressed in what they would normally wear to go to the landing. MacArthur had left without his only coat, which was highly unusual. Arriving on the island on December the 29th, the board superintendent, Robert Muirhead, began an investigation into the keeper's disappearance. Muirhead knew all three of the missing men well. Examining the oilskins that had been left behind, he concluded it belonged to William MacArthur. After going over the wreckage on the western landing, Muirhead speculated that Marshall and Ducat must have headed out into the storm and tried to secure equipment stored there. When they didn't return, Muirhead surmised that MacArthur must have ventured out to try and find them. From evidence which I have able to procure, Muirhead concluded, in his official report, I was satisfied that the men had been on duty up until dinner time on Saturday the 15th of December, that they had gone down to secure a box in which the mooring ropes, landing ropes etc were kept and which was secured in a crevice in the rock about 110 feet above sea level, and that an extra large sea had rushed up the face of the rock, had gone above them and coming down with immense force, had swept them away completely. But as far as the public were concerned, Muirhead's report wasn't the end of the story. Speculation was soon rife. Theories more suited to the Middle Ages were soon doing the rounds, such as the men being gobbled up by a giant sea serpent or whisked away by huge seabirds. One theory had the men leave the island by boat to escape debts, while another had them spirited away by skeletal crews of a ghost ship. Some people even thought that the men had been kidnapped by foreign spies. More doubt was cast over the official investigation, with the emergence of a logbook supposedly containing several baffling entries between the 12th and the 15th of December. 
In the first entry, Marshall is supposed to have written that a great storm, the like of which he had never seen before, had hit the island. He continued that Jakarta was unusually quiet when the storm had hit. And MacArthur, a big burly man, not known to have had much of a sensitive side, was weeping uncontrollably. A second entry had all three men praying in the eye of the monstrous storm, and the third and final entry, supposedly written on the 15th, stated the storm had passed and all was calm now. On hearing about the existence of these logbook entries, many questioned the idea that the men had been swept out to sea. If anyone had died, surely whoever wrote the 15th of December entry would have mentioned this. There had to be another explanation. It is all but certain that this logbook was a fake, injected into the story several years after Marshall, Ducat and MacArthur disappeared. However, it shows the intense speculation and superstition associated with the Flannel Island mystery. So dismissing the logbook entries and the fanciful tales of sea serpents and ghost ships, what are we left with? Three theories have emerged over the years that seek to explain the men's disappearance. First, it's based on the character of William MacArthur. MacArthur, by all accounts, was an ill-tempered man who was quick to settle an argument with his fists. It had been speculated that he could have started a fight up on the western landing, which led to all three men falling to their deaths from the cliff. The second theory is that one of the men, again probably MacArthur, murdered the other two, ditched their bodies into the sea, then threw himself off the cliff. While both theories add a level of bloodthirsty juiciness to the mystery, there is no evidence that either a fight or a murder took place. It is of course perfectly possible for men in confined quarters to rub each other up the wrong way to the point where they snap and all hell breaks loose, especially when one of them has a history of violence. But without bodies or a crime scene to examine, these two theories will forever remain supposition. There is more evidence for the idea of a terrible accident caused when the men tried to secure something on the western landing of Eliamore. Apparently workers could be fined for loss of equipment and it's said that Marshall had been docked the not insignificant sum of five shillings for such a loss on a previous occasion. Perhaps the theory goes Marshall and Ducat went out in the storm and were swept away. Maybe MacArthur, wondering at his missing colleagues, when in search for them, he suffered a similar fate. Of course, the real reason for the disappearance of James Ducat, Thomas Marshall and William MacArthur were probably never known. However, these three men met their fate on a cold December night back in 1900. Be it a by accident, misadventure or design, the Flannel Island Mysteries remain one of the most baffling episodes in Scottish maritime history. So there you go. The Flannel Island Mysteries. As mysteries go, this is a lot more cut and dry in my eyes. For the three men, I unfortunately think that two of them went out to secure something, and two of them were swept away during the storm. The one left went out to search. Unfortunately, he met the same end. And I think that this tale serves as a reminder to more recent mysteries that sometimes it's just a terrible accident and not the work of nefarious phantoms in the night. Even though MacArthur, by all accounts, had a questionable temperament, 
still don't think he would have murdered the two and covered it all up. I generally think that it was all an accident caused by the weather. I still don't think he would have murdered the two and covered it all up. I do generally think it was an accident caused by the weather. If you've ever had the privilege to travel that far up in Scotland, you will know the weather is terrible from September to May. Sorry, Scotland. Anyway, sorry it was a slightly shorter episode this week. I'm just getting over a major bout of man flu, and I'm surprised my voice has made it this far. I promise a longer episode next time. If you like the episode, please drop us a five-star review. If you think friends and family may like this, share it with them. Links to TikTok, YouTube and Insta, and a show email are below. If you've been listening for a while and not subscribed, please do that, and then you'll never miss an episode. So with all that out of the way, please join me for episode 19, and more Dark History.